This week, the Terminal Miles brought to you by the number one. As in, both of our guests this week are ranked number one, one way or another. We're joined by the Canadian record holder in the indoor mile, Kay Van Buskirk. She's having an amazing indoor season right now, and we talk about injuries, marketing, Matt Hughes, and representing the country. As well, we'll chat with Mike Tate. He's the NCAAer with the fastest 5K time this season, and he joins us to talk about getting mentally prepared for big races and a whole lot more. It's nothing but the hits. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. Mike Tate just may be one of my favorite runners to watch right now. His death or glory approach to racing means that no matter what the result is, it's bound to be exciting. And it's got him quite far as well, running an amazing 1337 indoors last weekend, giving him the fastest 5k this season in the NCAA. 1337 indoors, uh, I believe that's a brand new PB for you, which is absolutely huge. Uh, it's funny, I watched the uh, the Flow Track interview video um, just before talking to you, and I saw that you you actually sought out and you looked at the Iowa results before you ran. Yeah, um, on my way over to the track, I was just on my phone kind of looking for updates from FlowTrack on Twitter and stuff, just kind of to see what the other guys ran, mainly to see um, what it was going to take, really, to to get into Indoor Nationals. Um, and I saw that uh, Justin had run 13.39, and um, with the way my workouts were going and stuff, I thought I was in around 13.40 shape if, if the race went around that pace. Um, and in the race, um, I was feeling pretty comfortable. Um, we let a couple of guys go off the front, but I was kind of just focusing on the college guys, just trying to make sure I could be up with them or ahead of them to try and get, get a spot into NCAAs. And in the last few laps, I just I felt good, so I decided to go for it and push, for, push from about probably about a kilometer out, maybe a little bit more. And, yeah, I finished strong and was able to just get under Justin's time. Mind you, I, I didn't close in a, a 41 last 300, so <laughs> there is that. Oh, Hey, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't beat yourself up uh, about that for sure. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, one of the things watching your races, um, I think back to I believe it was one of the Stanford races last year. You're not afraid to take that lead off the front, um, you know. So going into that race uh, this past weekend was was that kind of in your mind? Like, you know, even if this race goes it slow, I want to go out fast and and try and get this time. Yeah, I was I was thinking. Um... We had a pacer in it, and they were supposed to take us through about 2K um, and about 66s, which was um, about perfect for me. Um, that's what I was hoping to go through about 2K in. Um, and then after that, I, w- I was prepared to go to the front if nobody else wanted to. Um, but luckily, a few a few of the pro guys, post-collegiate guys went to the front. Um, and then even a couple of college guys went by me, and I was able to just slot in behind them until until about yeah, about a kilometer, 1,200 to go, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I, I was prepared to, to lead from about 3K out if, if the pace started to, to lag a bit after the pacer dropped out. You know, one, one thing that uh, that people are talking about is, is uh, you know, you, you said you, you didn't close as fast as Justin Knight, but man, you closed deadly quick. And uh, I got to wonder, I mean, the last time you were on the show, you know, you were running a lot of 1500s and, and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, how, how are you feeling about that speed now? Do you, do you still feel like you have that, that 1500 speed or have you fully committed to, to the 5,000 thing now? 
Um, I still think I have um, a decent closing kick. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm a 355 miler, but uh, I think I could for sure break four right now if I got in, in the right race. And I think I can close with the best of them if I just play my cards right. Um, it, at In Seattle this weekend, I ran the 3K the next day, and um, I think I moved a little bit too early, and I ended up paying for it the last 200, and I had uh, a handful of guys go by me. So I think if I'm just tactically smart, um, I can kick with with most of um, the NCAA, and I think, yeah, that does come from focusing on the 15 for the early part of my college career. Well, I mean, like, people are looking at you now. You you have the NCAA lead right now. And uh, people have to be considering you to, to be a real metal threat. Uh, taking a look at some of the other guys like uh, like Knight, like Linkletter, um, you know, how, how do you feel that you stack up against them and, and what would be your best race? What, how do you think you would finish the best? Um, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, both of those guys, and Rory showed he has a monster kick with his outdoor 10K last year and, and Justin proved his kick time and time and again so um i've never really had a chance to to race those guys head to head when i'm when i feel like i'm at my peak or they're at their peak so hopefully we're all able to stay healthy and um have a good one at ncas and i hope i hope to put my nose in it and and compete with them i think i can hang with them but to beat them like i said they both have established themselves as some of the best kickers in the country so in the ncaa so it'll be tough for sure you know, it's it's funny. Uh, we mentioned you know Linkletter and, and Knight. Uh, of course, you know Canadians. I mean, technically Fisher is too. I don't care what anyone says. He's yeah. <laughs> he he's pretty much one of us, right? I mean, yeah. What what, what, are, what are you thinking as you see you know the rankings and stuff and and seeing such you know so many Canadians rank so high? Oh, I think it's awesome. I love seeing as many Canadians as possible up at the top. Um, like Ben Flanagan too had a huge 5K this weekend, broke 13.50. I think it was 13.48, which is time best for him, which is which is awesome. Um, and Ben for Eisner as well was under uh, under 14 flat. And like you said, Fisher is I guess like half Canadian. He had that sub 750. It's it's really exciting to see a lot of Canadians at at the top of the NCAA. Um, when Cam was here over the summer, we went for a run with him, and he was he commented on how Canadians have really kind of stepped up in the NCAA, and we have a lot of guys near the top of the leaderboards, which is really exciting to see. You know, I saw that you ran uh, 756 a couple weeks ago, and uh, and the caption underneath it was that it was the uh, the all-time second fastest uh, by someone at SUU. I'm going to take a, a wild guess at, at who uh, number one <laughs> was. And uh, I yeah. mean, like, now that he's, uh, of course, we're talking about Cam Levins, and uh, and now that he's he's training back with your coach and stuff, are you seeing him a lot more in town? Uh, we saw him a lot over the summer. Um, he was here for for a good chunk of the summer. Um, after that, he headed back to Portland and he's been spending uh, most of his time there. I think he um, lives right down the road from, I think it's Ryan Vale, uh, honor from the States or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and really with what he's with him doing the half and having the world half coming up, I mean, he's going to have a lot better. It, Ryan Vale can be suited much better for his training than some college kids that are looking at, at the 5k and, and the miles. So, He's been staying in Portland with our coach, sending him workouts and stuff. 
did you get to hop into any uh, any workouts with them? Um, over the summer, I didn't just mainly because I was nursing um, plantar fasciitis in my foot, so I really wasn't doing a whole lot of workouts, and I was just mainly trying to make sure that was healthy first and foremost. So I didn't I didn't get to jump into many workouts with them over the summer, um, unfortunately. You know, um, it was a couple months back, I guess now, I, I had uh, Alex Hutchison, uh, the sweat science guy, on the show, and uh, and we had a, a good talk about, you know, the whole mind over matter thing and, and mentally preparing yourself for a race and, and kind of, you know, getting your psychology right going into a race. I mean, like that 1337 was a huge jump for you. Um, you know, you, you'd run a 1339, but that was outdoors and, you know, that was at, at a super fast meet and, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, 1337 indoors, you know, taking that NCAA lead, how do you mentally prepare for, for a race? You know, is it, is it a workout or, or like what, how do you know that you're going to knock a race out? Um, I take a lot of confidence out of my workouts. Um, I'm really good at remembering workouts, remembering splits, um, and I remembered, actually, right before this workout, we did um, one of our workouts. It was some 800 repeats. And I remembered last year, before Stanford, before I ran that 1339, um, I had a similar workout. It was 800 repeats as well. Um, and I knew the times were similar. Um, so I was confident that I could run around the same time. And also, I take confidence from my teammates. If they're running well, um, I know we're all doing the same stuff. So if they're running well, then I'm going to run well. For sure, for sure. So what's uh, what's next? I mean, you've got NCAA's uh, this season, but uh, I mean, like, what what else is on the horizon for you? Uh, first, got to finish out the indoor season. So we got Big Sky Conference in a couple weeks, then indoors a couple weeks after that, NCAA's, and then start focusing on the outdoor season. And after that, I have no idea. For sure, keep running, but I don't know where, with who, or what. <laughs> I mean, I uh, I saw you... See, saw you race at the uh, at the Canadian National Championships last year in Ottawa. Which man, that's got to be such a such a far track for you, you know, especially with you uh, in uh, in Southern Utah and that sort of stuff. But I mean, you look at some of the people in that race. There's Justin Knight. There's uh, Luke Boucher. There was there's Mo Med. I mean, like there's some serious, uh, you know, some serious talent in there, and and that had to have uh, had to have been a big draw for you, even if it was a long way to go. Yeah, no, for sure. Canadian Nationals, I always like to do that if it fits in the schedule and if I'm not burnt out from the college season. I think last year I was a little burnt out. And like I said, with the plantar fasciitis, um, probably wasn't at my peak fitness. Um, but still, if, if I can and if, if it fits and my coach gives me all the, ca- the okay, I love going. Like you said, the, the competition is great. It's super deep. Um, I mean, it doesn't get much better than racing against uh, two world championship finalists. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always a draw for me. Well, I mean, flow track may have just found out about you, but, uh, we here at the terminal mile and, uh, and everyone who listens has <laughs> known about Mike tape for a very, very long time. And, uh, man, I hope we'll, we'll keep on hearing about you. And that was just a, an amazing race to watch and, and to hear about, uh, last week. So, I mean, I wish you all the best with the rest of your season, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Last winter, it was great to see Kate Van Buskirk teared up on the indoor track, announcing to her talented countrywomen and the world that the 2014 Commonwealth bronze medalist was back. So 
it was a bit of a bummer to see her get hurt in the spring. But if anyone had any doubts though, Kate was quick to put those to rest this season, not only setting new PBs in the indoor mile and 3k, but also catching a national record and coming within a second of the other event's national record. And we caught up with Kate earlier this week. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's start off with a, a bit of a number to uh, you know to begin this interview. Four twenty six ninety two. Uh, you did that just a few weeks ago. What does that what does that number mean to you right now? Oh, I mean, I was really happy with that performance. Um, going into that race, it was my season opener. It was my first indoor race um, of the year. So, you know, training has gone really well um, this year. Through the fall, things went really well. And so, you know, we've been hitting times that we haven't hit before. And my coaches and I knew that I was ready for for a good race. But there's always a bit of an unknown, your first, you know, turn out of the gate um, for the season. So the goal was just to go and get world standard for 28.5, which would have been an indoor PB and and pretty close to my outdoor PB, actually, in the mile. So, um, yeah, the, I mean, the race was very high caliber. I was feeling really strong, um, feel like I executed well. And so the, the time was, um, I wouldn't say a surprise, given that, you know, I, I, I went into that race feeling kind of curious. I thought I'm in really good shape. I know I'm, I'm capable of something good, but I'm not sure what that means in hard terms with the numbers. So when I saw the clock, I was thrilled to have gotten world standard. I was really thrilled to have won. And it wasn't until about half an hour later, actually, um, when I was talking with my coaches that they said, oh, by the way, I think you set a Canadian record. So <laughs> that was um, a ni- that part was a nice little surprise. <clears throat> you know, and I mean this with, with all due respect, but I mean, did that did that kind of throw you for a loop? I mean, there have been a lot of really great Canadian milers, yourself included, but a lot of really great milers, especially um, as of late. Yeah, I mean, um, the previous record was held by Sheila Reed, who you know, as a, a multiple time Olympian and world championships qualifier and uh, a good friend of mine. So I have a huge amount of respect for her. And um, <clears throat> I guess, you know, the, the mile just isn't run as frequently as the 1500, obviously, and, and indoors isn't quite as big a deal as outdoors. So um, <clears throat> I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't sure what the record was, but um, I, I don't have, I don't think it's going to last very long my record now <laughs> I think it's going to continue getting broken and I hope it does because like you said mid-distance swimming and uh, women's running in Canada is really exciting right now um, and I think we're at this sort of uh, pivotal moment where we've got a lot of women who are um, like myself have been in the sport for a number of years and then we also have a lot of up-and-comers so there are as you said a lot of really great milers and um, I, I think that record is going to go down pretty soon. <laughs> So, you know, just uh, it, it wasn't very long after that that you went and you, you raced at, uh, at Milrose. I believe that was the next weekend. You raced the 3,000 there in, wow, that field was just incredibly stacked. Um, but you you came within a second of taking down that Canadian record as well, too. I mean, that this has to set you up really nicely for, you know, your outdoor season this year, right? Yeah, and that's, I think a lot of athletes have this in mind. Of course, I take indoors very seriously, especially now that I've been named to the world team. Um, that is, you know, my, my most immediate goal is to do well there. But uh, I, I do see indoors as a really good stepping stone for the outdoor season. And um, unfortunately, the last couple of years, I just haven't been able to manage to stay healthy long enough to sort of string together a few of those seasons back to back. So I had what I thought was a really strong indoor year last year. And then a strong season opener outdoors. 
and then dealt with some injuries. So the plan this year is to keep riding this momentum, but also have some respect for uh, the amount of recovery that I'll need to make sure that we can, you know, keep this upward trajectory going and stay healthy and strong leading into outdoors. But uh, I mean, you know, it's, I think with performances like this, um, at this point in my career, I'm I'm going to be 31 this year, and I've been running as a pro for seven years now. And um, you, you, I, it's a it's a mix of wanting to stay humble, but also sort of feeling like, oh, finally, <laughs> like I'm finally running, you know, around where I think I should be um, at this point. So again, I'm I'm thrilled with the performances. I'm I'm very uh, grateful, but I'm also thinking like, all right, it's it's been a while. It's it's time. <laughs> You know, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the interview last year because I think that Canadian track fans as a whole were just, I mean, we, we saw how strong you were in that uh, in that indoor season and then, you know, getting injured. It, it just, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's like you can't really catch a break. How are you feeling now? Um, you know, are you feeling, obviously, you know, you're putting down PBs and stuff, but uh, I mean, what, what affected you last spring? Um, I think that... You know, anytime you get injured, you learn a lot about yourself. And I've been saying that for a while because I've been sort of dealing with some some injury and illness for a number of years on and off. But it's really true. You you're you're arming yourself with more and more information about how to do it better or differently next time. Um, so I think probably two things. First of all, I've I've learned to have a deeper respect, like I said, for my body and for its its um, it's potential, but also it's, it's limitations and making sure that I build in my coaches and I are building in a little more recovery on a regular basis. We're being, um, just a little more reserved at times, um, making sure that we're not overstepping. Um, but at the same time, I've, I've also sort of learned that nothing is given. And just because you're doing well in one season doesn't mean very much for the next season. If you don't take those precautions and if you don't, um, really listen to your, to your body and to the signs, so um, I'm super excited. I'm I'm definitely hoping and and uh, my plan is to continue this through outdoors. But I am just sort of taking it one step at a time and making sure that I'm doing everything right along the way um, to set myself up for that. So you've had a great three thousand and you've had a had a great mile this year. Um, what are you thinking for outdoors? You know what what event do you plan on focusing on this year? Uh, I'm really not sure, and I think that's part of the exciting uh, piece for me, especially, of course, with it not, with being sort of an off year with Worlds and Olympics and with Commonwealth being early. Um, I definitely would like to make the NACAC team, given that it's in Toronto. Um, running in front of a home crowd, especially at U of T, is always a blast. That's just such a fun stadium. Um, but I'm really not sure which event, and I think this will be a good year to experiment a little bit. So. Last year, I opened my season um, less than a tenth of a second shy of the world champ standard in the 5K. Um, so that's, you know, a, a PB that I'd really like to get this year. I'd really like to, you know, run as low into the 15-minute range as possible in the um, 5K. Um, but I still think that there's um, room for a lot of improvement in my 15 as well. My PB stands from 2014. And, uh, yeah, I, I want that one to go down as well. And then, you know, working under distance too. Um, I'm certainly not meant to be an 800 runner at this stage of my career, I don't think, but, um, I've run 202 mid, um, also from 2014 and I'd love to take another crack at that. So I'm going to explore some different events. Um, I, I don't know if I can really speak for them, but I have a feeling my coaches really see me as being a 5k runner eventually. Um, but my heart lies with the 15. So I'll, I'll do a little bit of everything and see where the chips fall. 
Well, I mean, if uh, if you're looking at getting into the steeple, then I think that you are in... <laughs> And I think you're in luck right now. Um, you have a bit of a guest helping you out in uh, in some of your workouts and stuff. Uh, perhaps you can, you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, first I should start by saying that if I wanted to get into the steeple, I would have some stiff competition in Canada because <laughs> those chicks are flying. But um, yeah, what you're referring to is uh, the fact that I did some great training this fall with Matt Hughes, um, who's you know also a, a Greater Toronto Area guy. Uh, from Oshawa, and he's been uh, spending a little bit of time in Toronto. So um, he linked up with my coaches, Dave Reed and Eddie Raposo. And yeah, he and I did a lot of our base work together through October and November, um, doing, you know, uh, hill work over at Centennial Park in Etobicoke and, and doing some outdoor track work just on a cinder high school track, kind of getting back to the old school basics. But having him in workouts was a huge benefit to me. Um, partly because having a, you know, a strong male training partner is fantastic for almost any woman <laughs> in that, you know, you can get pulled along to, uh, to some good times, but he is also just such a consummate professional. Um, and so, you know, his professionalism and his really sort of gritty, uh, focused approach to training certainly rubbed off on me. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, that was just as important for me as having the person to sort of chase around the track. So, yeah, that was great, and um, I'm, I'm excited to watch him do great things at Commonwealth this year. You know, um, we've we've gone pretty far into this interview, but I feel that it has to be said at least once. Congratulations on on getting to put on that that Canadian singlet again. Uh, you announced just the other day that that you made the uh, the IAAF indoor uh, team for Canada with uh, with some strong qualifiers earlier this season. Uh, I mean, it's been a couple of years. <sighs> How are you feeling about that right now? Well, thank you. And I'm feeling pretty darn happy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think one of the things that I learned in not having made a team in three and a half years is that uh, you can't be in the sport just to make teams and just to chase podiums and, and PBs because that is not going to happen at times. Um, and that piece can kind of break your heart if that's how you sort of root your value. Um, as an athlete, so I've I've truly learned over the last couple of years to really enjoy different elements of the sport, um, and not just to chase those um, sort of quantifiable measurements. That being said, anytime you get to put on a Canadian singlet and race for your country internationally is just such a gift um, and such an awesome opportunity. So yeah, I I like wearing that singlet. <laughs> I like wearing that Canada across my chest, and I will do so very very proudly in uh, in a little over two weeks in England. So since, uh, since you've last been on, uh, you've had some, some changes in your sponsorship status and <laughs> yeah, and that I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I suppose that's one way of saying it. I was, uh, I was looking for, you know, so something that, that might be, uh, you know, a, a little bit softer of a punch, but <laughs> it's okay. You know, it, it, it makes me think quite a bit because you, Right now, you are, you know, you're setting records. You're you're running the best you you ever have been, but it almost seems like um, that's not what the running shoe companies are, are really looking for anymore. And I'm sure that you've thought about this as well too. Where where is you know the relationship with uh, with say the elite runner? and the running shoe companies at this point in, uh, in, in the professional field? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think a couple of things have happened. Um, from from what I've seen, there's sort of been a shift over the last couple of years um, with just the evolution of social media away from sponsoring elite runners to sell product and more towards, um, you know, the, the influencer model um, where you get people with a lot of uh, social media presence, a lot of followers, um, fitness models, that kind of, that kind of thing, um, to be the people who are, I think, you know, getting more of those sponsorship dollars. And, and it's tough because I lament that fact, but at the same time, I understand that in a capitalist system, we're not owed anything as runners from running shoe companies. Um, so if, you know, if they see a model that they think is going to be more effective from their marketing team, um, they, they need to follow that. Uh, that being said, I, I do think that it's left a lot of us um, feeling a little discarded and a little... Uh, pressured in terms of how we're going to support ourselves outside of that traditional um, sponsorship model from shoe companies. So um, I was with Brooks Running uh, Canada for five years. Um, right out of university, I was on, uh, I, I started my partnership with them and um, continued that right through the end of 2016. And I had a great relationship with, uh, with that company, but unfortunately that came to an end. And so for the last a uh, little over a year, um, I have not been sponsored, um, and it, it is tough. It's tougher, absolutely, to, uh, I, I had to sort of swallow my pride when I had to go out and buy my first pair of running shoes in 10 years mm-hmm. um, at a discount uh, store at Etobicoke because I couldn't afford to buy them full price. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that um, that felt like a little bit of a stinger, um, you know, and but that's that's the way it goes. I mean, I'm again, I'm I'm a little bit of an older athlete. Um, I am running well, but I've I've run well in the past and then had injury issues, so I can understand a little bit of the hesitance from some companies. Um, that being said, I am in conversation with a couple of companies right now, um, based on the last couple of months and the success there. So I'm hopeful that uh, come outdoor season there will be a partnership um, that I can announce and be proud of. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. It's been an interesting shift in the landscape, I think, for athletes having to wrap their heads around the whole sponsorship uh, model change. Well, yeah, I mean, it just seems like uh, like every January, um, you you know, you open up social media and uh, and you see either, well, you just see see a whole bunch of people who are who are kind of left to their own devices, and and uh, myself personally thinking, I, I think that that perhaps some of these shoe companies might be better off investing some money, giving some marketing training to athletes, you know, to make them worth it. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I think that our, that our runners can be so much more than runners if given opportunity and given chance. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I think that is unfortunate. I think, you know, even, um, speaking with fellow athletes, with their uh, relationships with their with their sponsors, they often weren't given or aren't given a lot of direction in terms of how they can be how they can give back to the company um, in in a way that's going to you know give them the most exposure. I mean, that's sort of the whole point of giving us the sponsorship money and, and the gear is so that we can help promote the the brand. Um, and if we're not told how to do that in a way that fits with the company, then that that kind of falls on us, and and I think it does so unfairly. Um, yeah, but I mean, you see in the states, there's a, a shift too in sponsors um, moving into more of a group uh, or team uh, sponsorship model, where um, a company will will 
pay you to run, but only if you move to X, Y, or Z city and, and train with that group that is also sponsored by the company. So I think they're seeing some sort of strength in numbers with that. Um, but yeah, especially in Canada, it's tough. It's tough to get a, a contract. And that's something that I've sort of been telling younger athletes lately is, again, you can't be in the sport to make teams and you can't be in the sport to make money because there's going to come times uh, where you're not going to be making either and you still have to um, find a way to love it and find other reasons to stick it out. You know, you're uh, you're working uh, in an industry that's uh, I would say is is fairly closely related with uh, with running and that sort of stuff. Um, how are they taking it? You know, seeing seeing all your successes uh, this year. Oh, they've been great. Yeah, I'm a trainer at a gym here in Toronto, um, and I've got a really tight knit little family of um, of fellow trainers, and they've just been hugely supportive. So it's been nice. You know, I I feel like I I sort of started working um, out of necessity. Uh, you know, I was excited to work with them, but at the same time, I was I was doing it because I really needed the paycheck. Um, but my uh, my relationship with everyone there, both the the trainers and the members, has grown exponentially over the last year and a half, and they've been wonderful supporters of me. So um, yeah, that that's provided a really nice sort of extended family for me. So this year, um, I've heard it referred to as a, as a non-championship year. Of course, you're going to indoors and that sort of stuff. But, you know, the basic idea behind it. Um, you know, what are, what are the big goals for this year? Um, well, again, uh, make the final at World Indoors is, is the first and foremost. Um, and then my plan is probably to go to Flagstaff again um, for the month of April, the way I've done in the past, or, or at least go to altitude somewhere. Um, and then I, I, I would love to just, like I said, PB and as many events as possible. Um, it's been, uh, this will be, it's been two years since I ran at a national championships outdoors because I missed 2016 and 17 due to injury. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back at the national championships and uh, hopefully meddling there. And then, like I said, I'd really like to make the NACAC team um, the first weekend of August here in Toronto. Um, and just get some more international experience, maybe get into some diamond leagues or some meets over in Europe and, and get back on the circuit and, and remember what that whole experience is like. Because 2019 and 2020 come really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think people can kind of take a little bit of a breather this year and, and like I said, exp- experiment a little bit, um, take a few risks, and then really uh, make sure you have things figured out for the next two years because they they're going to happen fast. Well, I know speaking uh, speaking personally, it was uh, it was really great to see you, um, you know, run those times this past indoor season. After, you know, it, it was definitely a bummer to see you get hurt uh, last spring, but it it looks like you're on the right path, and uh, and it looks like you're set to have you know a big outdoor uh, season. And I know the people who who listen to this show are are also big fans of yours as well, and and we're all cheering for you this spring. Oh well, that's so nice. Thank you. And um, I was actually speaking with. Um with someone else earlier today having this conversation and I just said, you know, running is, is the most universal and um, accessible sport and I have really felt uh, the community presence and the community support over the last couple of years and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I'm super excited about the, the small but mighty team of uh, I believe 14 athletes who are going to World Indoors across a variety of events. Um, and then having our whole Canadian contingent get after it uh, come outdoor season. Because like I said, I think there's some exciting things on the horizon, particularly amongst mid-distance women in this country. So I'm pumped. (laughs) Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Kate and Mike, as well as to Tracky for their ongoing support. If you like this show, be sure to check out my other track and field podcast, 
Something in the Water. It's the story of the Speed River and University of Guelph track and field teams. You can find that on SidiousMag.com or wherever you found this podcast. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at The Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course, Tracky.ca. Thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Music